Welcome back to the Arena Lab podcast, a show that explores the science and the people behind the Research and Innovation Network Austria, also known as RENA. This week, we get to explore biology and technology and how they intersect in 3D printing with Hassam Farhefer. Hassam is currently a research associate at Vienna University of Technology and also did research with MIT. He has traveled across the globe learning new languages and researching with some of the best and brightest in their fields. Let's jump into our conversation and learn more about where biomedical technology and engineering are meeting to solve big problems. So talk about your specialty. What is, the, what is your, your field of study? Um, I am writing a PhD thesis in field of mechanical engineering in uh, about non-deterministic and chaotic systems in dynamical stability. And from last year, um, I cooperated with MIT and Harvard Medical School uh, on uh, some projects in uh, biomechanics. We worked on two projects. One of them was bioprinting of human organs and human tissues. Mm -hmm. And I had the experience of working with um, 3D printer by the time that I was continuing my education in Germany. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, it's the same procedure that we just we use instead of plastic and resin in uh, living human cells to print human tissues. So instead of plastic, it's human cells? Yeah, it, from the nozzle, instead of plastic, just uh, living cells comes out and uh, they are, uh, we are putting them together. Yeah. So after a few uh, hours or a few days, it depends on the tissue, they are interconnected with each other. If you take a look under the microscope, you will see that the uh, cells are living and they are connected to each other. Uh, so that we can use these tissues, for example, skin or maybe in the future, hopefully, like uh, some complex organs like kidney or so on uh, that we can uh, use uh, for drug testing or um, in in implanting uh, so that uh, we will not uh, have, wait, to wait. have to wait for donors or yeah. uh, the ethical problems with animal testing and so on will be solved, hopefully, in the future. Yeah. Um, it was one of the projects. The second project that I was involved is about um, uh, constructing and optimizing a bioreactor. A uh, bioreactor is actually a small box that um, you uh, put the cells inside. We have different chambers with different conditions, different pressures, and we put uh, healthy and, uh, for example, unhealthy cancer cells, human cells inside it. And we have a closed loop that we uh, make some conditions like inside the human body, the same temperature, uh, oxygen flow and so on, so that these um, cells can uh, grow and uh, we can, uh, we will send this bioreactor to the space to um, study the effects of microgravity on human cells or if we have some diseases. Wow. Uh, illnesses, uh, how, for example, cell division will work or uh, other effects that uh, microgravity can have on the human cells. Wow, that's pretty incredible. Yes. Um, I'm curious what got you down this path. Like, when, when did you first start knowing that you wanted to start studying this type of science? Uh, 
actually, I always wanted to study mechanical engineering because it was always interesting for me. Uh, and uh, by the time that I f- find out that uh, there are such a interdisciplinary teams that you can work with some people from totally other major, it was very interesting to work with them because it was a wonderful experience also in the States. Because normally you work in my country or in uh, Europe, you normally work with the people that who are coming from your uh, knowledge, like circle or the same major. Uh, my first experience with uh, working in interdisciplinary team was in MIT and Harvard that we worked with uh, medical doctors from Harvard and engineers from MIT. And it's so interesting because uh, you are always as an engineer looking for solutions. And if you are working with someone that don't knows the boundaries and restrictions of your uh, major, they can give very simple, wonderful solutions that they can think can be the answer. Uh, and um, th- that's why I thought maybe changing from mechanical engineering to biomechanics will, will be uh, very interesting. And I continued this way. Uh, and maybe after also finishing my PhD, um, I will also stay in this track. Okay. So it was a, it was a change. It was a shift for you. And it was really... Sounds like to me uh, that before inter- interdisciplinary idea came, um, the knowledge was in silos. We call them silos. I don't know if you've, you use that term or not, but it's just its own thing. And being inter, you can learn so much whenever you're interconnected. So that's what happened with um, MIT and Harvard. Um, and then, is that the point that caused you to make a shift? So you first were just doing mechanical engineering, yes. but then once you once you did the uh, interdisciplinary studies with, with in Harvard MIT. Is that when you decide I'm going to go into into bio, uh, biomechanical engineering? Yeah, uh, actually, I worked in also and in, in different uh, parts of mechanical engineering. But the most important, uh, most interesting one for me was the last experience in Harvard and MIT that I worked with these people together. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way of finding the solution for for our uh, actual problems uh, was very interesting for me. And that that's why I thought maybe also in the future can be, um, there will be more potential to work in this field and research in this field. So in, in my imagination, I'm wondering when you, there's these disciplines together, your responsibility, your part of the group, is it designing the box and designing the tools or is it the science? Yes. Uh, actually, uh, some projects is starting from zero, so you have to construct everything. Some projects are about optimizing. For example, about this uh, bioreactor, I had uh, the responsibility to design a loop. So if I go just a few in the details, it was like that, that as I told you, we had these different chambers that we put the human cells inside them. And these chambers are connected to each other so that the oxygen can, can flow inside the chambers so that the um, cells can uh, leave and divide and so on. And um, it was a part of an integration uh, project that I put two uh, spectrum cameras 
uh, on uh, by the time that oxygen flows inside the chambers and by the time that is leaving the chambers and with the spectrum cameras i can uh, i was able to make pictures and uh, with the help of software i can see how much oxygen is already consumed by the cells right and uh, how much oxygen should uh, be inserted or injected to the loop so that we will have the same uh, like an incubator we have the same conditions like a human body so that the cells uh, can um, grow and uh, we can study the effects on them very fascinating very fascinating when um the 3d printing going back to the 3d printing part was your role in that the taking the 3d printer that was used other things for and modifying it or just is there any modifications necessary to to print the human uh cells uh I can tell you how the process is actually about uh, bioprinting and um, my role, what what I did in this uh, process. Uh, first of all, we need the cells uh, and uh, we extract the cells, stem cells from their different uh, methods that you can extract the stem cells from human body, like from blood or foreskin, or there are other different uh, possibilities that you can extract them. And then by gene editing, they uh, can modify these stem cells to produce, to be a specific cells that we need. For example, in skin or kidney, we have different type of cells. So by gene editing, we are, it's possible to make these specific cells that we need for uh, printing the human tissues. And when we have these cells, that's the part that my work is beginning. Uh, we have the 3D printer and the uh, living cells are coming together from this nozzle uh, and through this nozzle goes to uh, through a, a so-called hydrogel uh, is going uh, to a platform that we layer for layer, we can print the cells, put the cells beside each other. Uh, and after they need a time to cure, so-called cure, and to be connected with, with each other. And um, a part of the challenge was to uh, switch between the cells because even in simple uh, tissues, we have different types of cells. Okay. So it's not just one type of the cells that we put uh, beside each other. There are different types. And um, it depends on the map of the tissue that we are printing. We have to uh, switch between... Um, cell type A to B or to C or again to A. Um, and it was the mechanical side that we wanted to uh, optimize. So the accuracy of the 3D printer yeah. and switching mechanism uh, we worked on. Wow. And some parts are like uh, because of the confidentiality, I right, cannot right, go right, right, 100% right, right. in detail. Yeah, but for sure. Yeah, it's actually uh, the main uh, process that is done. Yeah, uh, and uh, the second project was also uh, somehow related to bio biomechanics. It was aerospace project, but sometimes you have a, one method, but you can implement it in different fields. Mm -hmm. So um, about uh, bioreactor, we did also somehow the same uh, um, methods to uh, make the bioreactor so that we can have the cells uh, cells alive in the space. So when you were a kid, were you all, were you like, I'm going to be a mechanical engineer? Or what was your dream when you were a, a you know, kid? 
Uh, I always was wondering about how the uh, stuff <laughs> are working and uh, that was uh, the first idea to um, work with uh, different, uh, to see the different machines and thinking what's behind it, how they are connected to each other, how they are interacting, the different parts are interacting with each other. And that is the first idea to, that came to my mind that uh, I want to be a mechanical engineer. I'm really curious about, so that was, I mean, I guess we'll take you back to, you know, 10 years old. Is that when you were kind of just had that curiosity? And then what was the next phase for you, like college or, you know, what, what did that look like? Uh, yeah, um, I, I have Iranian background. I uh, was born in Iran and um, I did also my bachelor's studies in Iran. If you come back, if you flash back to 10 years, uh, by the time um, in our relatives, we have some uh, also mechanical engineers. I always talked to them and I was always curious about uh, what are they doing in their companies and so on. And uh, it was always interesting for me. And, so you had an influence yeah, in the family. Exactly. Uh, and uh, afterwards, uh, after my college, I uh, wanted to be a mechanical engineer. Mm -hmm. And it was not the end by the time that I did my bachelor's studies. I wanted to continue my education. And as a mechanical engineer, if you want to uh, continue your education, uh, you are looking for the other uh, opportunities. Normally, uh, for example, I thought about Germany and I decided to learn because the, uh, Germany is very famous for uh, for um, industry and uh, mechanical engineering fields, related fields, or United States normally. Uh, and you look to the possibilities. I started to learn the language and I moved to Germany. I did my master's studies in uh, in Berlin. Mm -hmm. uh, and by that time, I worked with, with 3D printers. So you had to learn a language first before you went to school there? Uh, yes. I be, Before I decided to come to Germany, I decided to learn the language okay. because, I mean, um, it was not like m m mastery in Germany, but uh, it, it's a very difficult language. So... I um, visited a language school uh, that uh, I could learn somehow German before uh, entering the company, entering the country, and I continued my German learning German language the process in in Germany, and afterwards I was accepted uh, for master's studies in Germany. Huh. And afterwards, uh, after finishing my master's studies, I worked also a few years. Um, in the board of Switzerland and Austria for a uh, mechanical engineering company. And then I decided to come back to, to the university to again continue my education in a P, uh, as a PhD student. And now I'm somehow uh, about to finish my studies. So how many languages do you speak? Uh, six languages. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Your native tongue is what? Uh, my uh, my uh, native language is my native tongue is uh, Azerbaijani or Azeri. Uh, I'm coming from uh, northern part of Iran, uh, which is close to the border of country Azerbaijan. But we are also speaking the same languages. Language, uh, the official language of uh, Iran is Persian. So uh, you have to know Persian if you are going to school, and I learned also Persian as a child. Uh, as a second language, uh, in the school you learn uh, Arabic and English as the second and third uh, languages. 
and uh, I can also uh, speak fluently Turkish because uh, Azeri and Turkish are relative languages and I had many friends by the time that I was studying in Germany uh, I am fluently I, I can speak Turkish and German I learned before I leave the, the country to uh, yeah. before coming to Germany and um, if we can count also English to that that I'm I, I always uh, trying to improve my English but if we can count English also to that yeah. it will be like six languages wow that's a, uh, what fascinates me is that you did, you did your initial studies and besides having six languages uh, or at that point five I guess because is I'm going to go do my master's in another country and learn their language first and then study something complex like mechanical engineering in another country with another language. So that's got to be difficult. I mean, it's engineering language is not easy. So it's, yes. it's got to be, I mean, it's pretty impressive. Congratulations. That was, that's Thank pretty you. awesome. Thank I you. really like that. Actually, German is a very powerful language and it's uh, for me like the language of the industry because... Um, Germans are very good in industrial products and I decided to learn this language but it was very difficult uh, but it forced it actually because yeah. uh, I'm using it now uh, every day and uh, uh, yeah how long was it till you became comfortable uh, speaking German was it like how, what time period is you, you finished school and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna start to go to Germany yes how long did that take uh, it took like a can say maybe six months to one year to be fluent in German. Uh, at first, when you are visiting like the lectures in the university, it's, uh, some professors are coming from different parts of the country and German language is not like English that you can understand uh, right. the people all over the countries. Yes. They are like, uh, we have the academic German, we call it Hochdeutsch. Uh, that I, uh, that's what I learned. It's uh, coming from uh, one region of the country uh, in, it's called Niedersachsen uh, it's a state and but there's major differences between German in north or south of Germany or even in Switzerland or in Austria so uh, I also have the experience working in uh, with Swiss people also with Austrian people and I was also in the south and by the, that time that I was visiting the lectures in the university you have different professors which are coming from different parts of the country mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes they're trying to speak like academic German but uh, after five minutes they switch to their uh, yeah. own accent yeah. so uh, I thought that it's, it's still not enough just speaking the uh, high academic uh, Hochdeutsch right. uh, and uh, I tried to also have uh, some studies in uh, major accents in, in German language so that I can interact with the people. Wow. It's not just about studying if you want to stay longer or um, live with these people to enter the culture crisis of the country. So you have to speak this language. Yeah, for sure. That's why. That's, that's amazing. Really yeah. amazing. I wonder, um, since your family has the mechanical engineering background, uh, if they love what you do now because you've switched your from mechanical engineering to biomechanical engineering. Uh, are they just as impressed with you as you are with them? Yes, they are always impressed every time that I call them and I say, yeah, I am now in this country working on this project and so on. My mother said, uh, last time told me, you are like Marco Polo, you are <laughs> traveling a lot all over the world. And uh, yeah, they are also, they, uh, they like it, but uh, I also like to uh, be with my uh, family right. sometimes and 
traveling a lot is make yeah. it it's difficult actually yeah. to be with with your parents always yeah for sure yeah the um what is your favorite thing that you've learned in your journey um especially as i told you uh, about the last experience in in boston working within the disciplinary teams was wonderful yeah. uh, and uh, and uh, all in all engineering like thinking about the problems and uh, thinking how you can understanding the problems that can lead you to to the solution it's uh, like a very beautiful journey for me i'm always thinking about solving the problems or optimizing the systems that we have uh, yeah so your calling inside you is solving that issue solving the problem yes exactly like that, that's, that's the initial idea of being an engineer actually yeah. solving the problems yeah yeah and now you just happen to do it in really, really cool ways. So who else gets to say, I, I do 3D human <laughs> yeah. printing and, and do stuff that's going to go into space? Yeah. That's really incredible. Yeah, exactly. Actually, uh, about the second project, there are also some other motivations that brings you in this way. For example, about the aerospace project uh, in um, uh, bioreactor. Um, there are so many researchers nowadays in in this direction because uh, we are really thinking uh, NASA is planning to send human to Mars so we are really thinking uh, as to space as a backup planet for uh, for earth I mean it sounds somehow like science fiction but it's actually uh, what makes me sad it's I uh, read this year in 2018, uh, we broke some records uh, about uh, air pollutions and water pollutions, carbon related product that we produce, uh, deforestation, I don't know, like uh, global warming and so on. Um, and um, that's also the other motivation that brings you in this field. I mean, I don't like that someday my grandchildren has to live like in 50 years, have to uh, live somewhere else, not in the blue planet. It, as I told you, it's like science fiction, but it can really happen. But the change, because the changes in our environment is like exponential and uh, we are treating the uh, planet not uh, as it deserves. And sometimes we are thinking that we are uh, in the center, but taking a other look like out of the box we are a tiny part of a very sensible uh, cycle and um, it was the other motivation that I because you can choose between different projects that you are interested in and you can uh, cooperate with uh, researchers. So part of your passion was okay I did the 3D printing and that was really really cool but I'm looking toward the future for my grandchildren and I yes, want to have an impact on the science that yes goes into space because that may be a real possibility even though we're talking about it as of science fiction now but it may be a real possibility yes in f for my grandchildren so i want to have that i want to be able to touch that and help that so it's a really nice cause that you've got driving a driving factor exactly because maybe in uh, like coming decades it will be the only solution i mean we are taking it not that serious nowadays but uh, it can happen that some someday we have some conditions because of the situation that made uh, we made on Earth that we have to leave this planet. Sure. That we have to leave somewhere else because it's not uh, don't have the conditions that we can can continue living. Right. Well, hopefully we 
fix the conditions here, but the, it's always good to have a backup, as yes. you know, as being an engineer, there's always multiple ways to solve a problem. Exactly. For sure. That's very, very fascinating. I am still intrigued on the, the 3D printing. Um, how cool is it to watch cells bind? Like for you, because you you come from a mechanical engineering, you're designing, you know, how this works. But then, as you said, the cells, you know, are different types, even in the same type of like skin or whatnot. It's different kinds of cells. So then to, to watch them kind of bind and do their thing, how cool is it for you? Yes, exactly. Actually, actually as a mechanical engineering, building something that is alive is a different experience because normally you are uh, working with solid parts and so on. But uh, in biomechanics, you are also a bio biology is a part of the work. And it was very interesting to do something like that in, in 3D printing. Uh, and um, other aspects uh, that also bioprinting had, uh, actually, I'm coming back to the other motivations. Um, in, in as you know, for example, inside uh, in, in United States, just one out of five drugs can uh, pass the clinical trial to come to the market to be approved. That we can use it. I did not know that. Yes, one, only one in five. One in five, and uh, the thing is, developing a drug uh, costs approximately between two hundred to three hundred millions of dollars for each drug, even if they fail. Right. And uh, so it's very expensive. And uh, that's why we are developing the 3D printer, but how it works actually. Uh, the other problem is that even the um, drugs that are approved, that we that came on the market, if we sometimes we use these drugs on the same illness on two different persons, and they have different reactions. For example, the approved drug uh, for cancer can be good for someone, the same cancer, and uh, can uh, be dangerous for another one. Mm -hmm. So the best way to solve this problem is to test the drugs on your body, uh, the, on the body of patients. Right. But it's dangerous. So the other solution will be that we test these drugs uh, outside of your body, but on your cells or oh, on your wow. organs. Wow. Yes. And um, so uh, we use this method uh, to have the same conditions as like the human body mm -hmm. that we extract the cells and we print the same organ. Maybe in the future we mm -hmm. are not that so um, that far that we have the organs, but we have these uh, right. simple tissues. Um, we can see how uh, the stem cells or the modified by genetic cells can react to uh, to the drug. To your own body. And yes, and then can we have uh, the modified uh, drugs for each person that yeah. can work hundred percent perfectly. Wow! And in, by in, talk in, about in, customization of medicine yes, to the exactly. individual. Exactly, because as I told you. Even the approved drugs yeah. can have totally different uh, effects on, yeah. on different persons. Yeah, well, just doing the math there, you said one in five drugs get approved. And if each drug, even the, the ones that don't get approved, cost two or three hundred million, you're talking over a billion dollars to get one end of market because you got four failed ones and one's getting to the market. That's really expensive. Yes. And then being able to test those on tissue makes it much more efficient exactly. and faster. And then I love the customization because it's like, okay, now you're using my cells, see how it's gonna react before you put it in my body. Exactly. That is just 
opens up all sorts of new things for medicine. Yes. It's really incredible. Uh, and also uh, implanting the new organs uh, inside the body with, with the cells that are extracted from the patient will work like 100% because right. most of the time, and not most of the time, sometimes we have the problem that uh, implanted organs uh, are not suitable for this person and we have some other problems like health, rejecting, health, yeah. Yeah, rejecting uh, the uh, organs. But with this method, if someday we will be able, that I'm sure that we will be able to print uh, organs with stem cells, modified stem cells, it will uh, like uh, be hundred percent compatible with the with their body. I'm going to make sure to keep your number in my back pocket if I ever need us. <laughs> yeah. Like you're going to have the latest technology. I was like, hey, what, what's going on here? It's going to be awesome. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so our audience um, is composed of all kinds of people, and some are students that are like trying to figure out their way. What would your advice be to a student that's like trying to think? You know, I don't know what I want to do um, based on what you've had you've experienced like what would, what advice would you give to a student uh actually there's an old saying that you have to go for your passion so <laughs> i i have to repeat it again uh, and it's all uh, also important to know your abilities i mean uh, we have uh, always some natural talents that we can say uh, with uh, uh, you can try in this field but you if you have the talent also in, in talent in this field uh, you can uh, push your boundaries forward and uh, it will be quick that you have the uh, primary results of your research so you will be you will know that it will be good for you uh, and yeah as i told um, i think it's important to know that what you are doing you are doing it with your passion and you are not uh, investing just time to do some research and that you are not interested in right. so you will make no progress mm -hmm. or uh, very small progress in yeah. in this field um, and sometimes your passions change and it's okay yes because or your field of study changes and it's okay so you start off with one type of study and then you switch it down the road as you're as you're Yes, you exactly. Learn, right? Because uh, if you know the principles, uh, if you know the methods, you can also use this method. If you know them good, you can use it in different fields. That's what I did also, uh, because I switched also between different uh, fields of mechanical engineering. And uh, I loved each part that I did actually up to now. And maybe I will work in another field in aerospace, maybe in the future. So uh, it's not that you have to be restricted just in one field yeah. that you are working in this field and you ha will never be able to change. Right. You just have an open mind. Yes. Uh, and kind of work with the cause too, because everything that I've heard you say is like there's a there's an underlying mission you know, aerospace, the grandchildren fixing a solution for the future in in the 3D printing. It's also personalization of medicine and making it less expensive and more custom, custom to the individual. So there's always a passion behind it. Yes, exactly. Well, thank you very much for being with us. I really have enjoyed this conversation, this casual conversation with a scientist <laughs> and a bioengineer. Uh, it's been very, very fascinating. Thank, thank you, you so much. much for having me here. Such an impressive guy. Thank you, Hassam, for your dedication to learning. You are constantly challenging yourself and your research. It is impressive. The Arena Lab podcast team includes me, Dan Dillard, producer Mariah Gossett, and audio engineer Jake Wallace. Special thanks to Robin Tim Weiss 
and the amazing team at Research and Innovation Network Austria. Make sure you've subscribed to the show on your favorite podcast platform. And if you listen on iTunes, give us a quick review to help other people find the show. Thank you for listening.